Continuing the special series, the Anything But Quiet Time, uh, the Easter series with Rochelle and Carter, usually what we go through devotionally, but we're walking through the events uh, leading up to Easter of what Jesus was going through 2,000 years ago. And what Judas was doing right alongside him on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, this is a big, this is a heavy day. Yeah, so we learned on Saturday that Jesus was anointed, his feet were anointed by the tears and the the very expensive perfume of Mary. And Judas was the disciple that uh, we learned, spoke up and said something about it. Wait a second, why aren't we pocketing the money and giving it to the poor Mm. instead of like, you know, we could have sold this really expensive perfume. This doesn't make sense. And offense kind of started there when Jesus said, no, 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 no. He put a stop to what Judas was saying and said, what Mary is doing is right. Yeah. What she's doing is holy. And he cut off that conversation or it wasn't really a conversation. I think it was more of like a, I don't know. He was kind of looking down his nose at the situation. He mm-hmm. wasn't in the right place in his heart. Yeah. Judas. Yeah. And um, I think that's where it may have started, but it could have started way earlier. We don't know. Well, it, it really makes me examine my own heart because how can a guy that followed Jesus for three years betray him and it it makes me question so much on a on a belief level of well what did what did he believe maybe it was he was lying the whole time or was this a was this a a gradual change i mean what was it with him so there was this one definite part in scripture where jesus was followed by many people and then he shared some words And it says in the New Testament, the disciples that had been with him for so long walked with him no more. They it was such a um, it split his audience down the middle. What Mm. he shared, it was so bold, and they were like, "I'm not willing to go there yet." So they walked with him no more. And at that point, Judas had the opportunity to leave as well. But clearly, if you're going to devote three years of your life, it's for something that you believe in. Yeah. I think we've all started out headstrong with something and we're on board. And it's not until you meet opposition in that relationship where you start to squirm, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't know anybody who devotes three years of their life or something that they are not at least in part on board with. Yeah. Like, like, for example, um, what I would I know you wanted to do this, too, Rochelle, I more so than me. You went to college for it. But I, I had a dream of like, you know, what I want to act or be in, in productions or be edit yeah. or associate with films or whatever. And I, I finally kind of realized I don't want to move to Los Angeles and spend seven years working on scaffolding or holding a light or holding a camera. You know, I want to do the fun stuff. And I kind of realized, you know, if I was going to spend years of my time, I wanted to be something that I was truly about and had fun doing. And I was just telling you the other day of, of it was like a crazy busy day the other day with the podcast and everything. And I, I was still having so much fun. And yeah. so to dedicate that much time, you know, may, maybe he was in a situation where he thought, well, I've dedicated this time. I guess I have to stick with it. Or or maybe he was. about. I don't know. It's a very interesting. Usually you don't go through the hard things for years if you're not about it. I was reading where this one guy said, I was learning so much under a teacher. 
uh, I, I gleaned from him. I loved what he was sharing. I really felt in, in this man's spiritual life, he said, I felt like he had to offer me so much educationally and spiritually. It was really on board with his teaching. Then all of a sudden he said, I got offended one day and I no longer wanted to be this guy's pupil. Mm. He said, um, I let that jade everything. And he mm. said, and then I, I've used that experience since then to tell people who listen to my teaching and my ministry, don't be like me. Because here God placed this incredible mentor in my life, this teacher, and I let one little thing um, deter me. And he said, God put this authority over my life for a purpose and a reason. And instead of talking it out with him or communicating with him or just submitting to that authority, you know, he didn't go on to share what exactly he got offended about or even if he had cause to get offended. But he knows that he did wrong. He offended the Holy Spirit in his life by leaving the covering of that mentor and walking away. And it could have been something like that. Judas got offended and he was on board. He wasn't Tavsies before that moment. But yeah. see, that's the way sin goes. And I even, I, I've compared it to like mold on a fruit. Just takes one little speck and all of a sudden the entire fruit is consumed by it. That's what sin does. Mm. If we give the enemy an in, you know, there is, um, uh, I, I love Tolkien. And if you've ever read The Hobbit, then you know that the dragon, spoiler alert, has a scale area that is vulnerable like this dragon is hardcore nothing can pierce its skin it's got this entire village this this whole mountainside completely terrified but it's discovered that there's this one vulnerable area and if they can pierce through that one vulnerable area Mm -hmm. then they can take it down and the enemy is looking for that place in our god's armor you know our we, we've got this incredible armor of God. And if he can pierce through it somewhere, and one of his favorite ways to get in is through offense. And so I think that's what happened with Judas. There was, there was a moment. The enemy seized it. And interestingly enough, uh, his name means Judah. Interesting, which is a very you know, popular name in the Bible. It's a one that you see today. You don't really see a lot of kids named Judas. Yeah, and Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. So, which was, well, I'll, uh, we, you know, we're getting basic, right? Explain that. He was from the okay, okay. So Abraham was promised by God. There was a covenant, a promise between God and Abraham that through Abraham, your faithfulness, I am going to give you many children. And so, along the line of his genealogy uh, is Jacob. It's one of his grandsons. Jacob has. 12 sons, one of their names is Judah. And so they have a bunch of kids, and then those kids have a bunch of kids, and those kids have a bunch of kids, and pretty soon down the line, great, 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 grandson. You're going to come upon King David. You're going to get to Solomon. You're going to get to eventually Jesus. And so he's from that line. And I just, I think it's interesting that his Hebrew name, Judas's Hebrew name is Judah, but the writers of the New Testament, somewhere along in translation, or maybe even themselves, they decided to translate it and how it would be pronounced in Greek, which is Judas. They wanted to make sure there was a distinct a distinction between the two names, mm. because this guy w- was not someone that they were uh, wanting to compliment. Yeah. 
That's what yep. that's the impression I'm getting. And Iscariot, they believe that to be a translation, I think, from the Latin meaning murderer. Uh, I could have that wrong, but it's like they wanted to make it clear that this was the guy who would betray Jesus. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, you think about someone that Jesus ministered to and even gave communion to that final night, the very first communion, their last supper. He washed this man's feet. And we'll get to that uh, more tomorrow in terms of what happened on, on Monday, Thursday, which is the Thursday before Easter. Um the way he ministered to this man, knowing what Judas would do. I think he gave him an opportunity through the mercy that Jesus showed, gave him an opportunity to change. And you think about that. If Judas had changed his mind about betraying Jesus, what, what would have happened after that? Yeah. I think Jesus gave him the opportunity to change maybe after the events that took place, took place change like if you betray the lord but know that there is redemption that he would forgive that he would continue to show grace just like what would happen with peter they both betrayed jesus and peter denied knowing jesus but judas betrayed jesus by just turning him over to the roman soldiers and would jesus have still forgiven judas um, I, I, I think Judah, Jesus was trying to show him through his actions of love and mercy and grace through those three years that there would have been forgiveness there, but Judas was not in a good place. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I've read before, um, about there, they were in a particular circumstance, you know, when the Messiah is on the earth and there are things that people, uh, did then that we can't do today. And so it's a very interesting, like like one I was reading about um, the Pharisees having witnessed irrefutable proof that Jesus was working miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit claimed instead that the Lord Lord was possessed by a demon. And so what this with this article I'm reading, it talks about we literally can't do that today because we're not talking to the Messiah here on earth. There was a specific set of circumstances and how they did that. And uh, we are not, in the same position as Judas, right? There's That was going to be a one-person thing in terms of the history of, of the earth, of Jesus coming, the one time that he does to, you know, to be on this earth, to live on this earth. And it's it's very, it's very specific. And yet, like we talked about, it makes me examine my heart. I mean, did he, did he start to fall by the wayside? Or, or yeah, could he have been forgiven? And yet, what we know is that Judas ended his own life after this and and what was he feeling when he was bringing uh the the people which you, Rochelle you had an, a quite an interesting fact of how many people he brought to the garden we'll get to that in just a second mm-hmm. um but the people he brought to the garden and he gave Jesus a kiss to let him know which one he was and and what was he was he hating himself was he sitting here thinking what am i doing as a lot of us have done before in the midst of making a mistake uh, or or was he going, I can't stand this guy anymore? Was he offended like that mm-hmm. professor? I, I don't know. It's very intriguing uh, to know what exactly he did and was doing and was feeling. Do you ever get caught up in justifying your actions that you know from the, the get-go are wrong? Yeah, I, I think I'll ask other people. Uh, people who like me and will will be a yes man, right? And go, sure. And you know, and they'll go, no, it's fine. 
mine. No, they're crazy. And you're like, from the get go, you have that sense, that Holy Spirit sense of I am not doing right by what God is asking me to do. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway, though. And then slowly it starts to become more justified. And other people No, it's fine. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it's fine. And then you even start to believe your own baloney. Yeah. Yeah. That you know what from the beginning was baloney. And I think that's where it gets started. You get frustrated. You get offended. You you hear somebody else's point, and then you try to align it with your own instead of the will of God, and you're going to start deceiving yourself. That's what, I mean, deception is. Mm. And it gets all twisted and perverted and, and wrong. And so for whatever reason, he had justified his steps. Um, people had an inkling. Uh, they had feelers out. They knew Judas wasn't totally happy with Jesus. <laughs> so it clearly... Um, this was the guy that they needed to tap into to capture Jesus. So they put feelers out, found Judas. Hey, we want to capture Jesus. And Judas became their guy. And the going rate for um, for like a slave was, I think, 25 pieces of silver. And they, they upped it for him. We'll do 30 if you'll give Jesus over to us. So even in that moment, I don't know if the money situation would have oh, well, if I hand them over to them, maybe they just want to talk. Yeah, you're like at, you convince yourself of it. Yeah, yeah. they want to talk or at least, you know, they'll be owning him, but they aren't going to kill him. You know, I don't know what what Judas was thinking. He clearly wasn't thinking straight. Well, one thing I don't know if we covered on this particular episode that he had kept, um, he had stolen money before. He was the treasurer yeah. of, the, of the disciples and he had stolen money before. So maybe truly... There's obviously a chance that all three years he saw an opportunity. He was one of those a con man, you know, and and he um, he kept as much as he could and stole, and then saw this as the the out and the big opportunity. I mean, who knows yeah. what his mindset was the whole time? You can guesstimate, but I what I have to do is kind of have to when I say guesstimate, you have to just kind of well, it could be this or it could be that. Nobody's going to know the mindset of any one person. But mm-hmm. I do know how in my own humanity and in my own flesh, I have allowed myself to be deceived and start to believe my own deception. And so if that's the case and I've seen it work even in myself or, you know, when through, with look at little children mm-hmm. when they start with their their line about, well, I didn't take the cookie. And then you yep. catch them in the lie, and then somehow they weave it to a way that they actually start to believe their own web. <laughs> right. <laughs> or right. justify it somehow. You see how easy it is for that to just become a thing. You invite the enemy a seat at your table. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna dine like he owns the banquet hall. Well, and- I, I think what you're doing is is the right way of, you know, putting yourself in the situation. Cause I think even what I'm, you know, tempted to do is is say hopefully he was just a con man the whole time because you know we look at a a, a serial killer mm-hmm. and we're like what monster could ever do that and it's like well it but you know a mental health aside let's just even just take a murderer for example okay um well it started somewhere it yeah. started with getting angry at somebody it started with covering up something it started with these little things that we've all been there before and then all of a sudden, you know, you're watching Dateline and you're just comparing, you know, yourself like apples to oranges. Oh, what a psycho. But, man, I've gotten that angry before or I've I've lied before. And so thinking about, yeah, I think that's why it's haunting to to think about Judas and go, man, I'm capable of that. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think Peter shows us through the character of Peter that we're capable of betrayal. Yeah. If you've ever been betrayed by somebody and it's a relationship that you thought you knew, you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this person was with you. They were your friend. They were your spouse. They were your business partner or whatever. And then all of a sudden you feel like you just got sideswiped. What happened? Sucker punched. That was not expected. Um, what's really cool, I think Jesus gives us the guidelines how to behave around these people. He continued to serve that person. Yeah. He continued yeah. to love them and he gave them, he gave Judas multiple ample opportunities to feel grace and understand what mercy was. And that's, I think that's our role if we've ever been betrayed. It's easy to say, I know, it's easy to say because it hurts. But if we have a high priest, it says in Hebrews, that is able to empathize with us on every level, including betrayal, and he gives us the guidelines, then we know that we have the same power that resides in Jesus available to us. And through his spirit's help, yeah. we can be that those hands of mercy to people who betray us and show them, hey, there is still an option here for hope. And his name is Jesus. What an incredible gift that is for somebody who does not deserve. I and mean, that's the definition of grace. It's a gift that people don't deserve. And so Judas goes out and he he's going to collect on his 30 pieces of silver. He's going to sell out one of his best friends. Um, and yeah, when he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, which we'll get into the order of timeline with that on Thursday. Right at this point on Wednesday, we know that this is when the deal is set. It's made. But this is how we're going to do it. And he indicates to the the leadership, the Sanhedrin, um, the high priest, the people who are involved in wanting to capture Jesus. He's like, here's what you're going to need because this guy can do things like walk on water. I can't guarantee that he is not going to be able to slip through your fingers. Like the Bible shares accounts of how God just, he, they try to throw him off a cliff and he suddenly was walking away from the crowd. How does one do that? Well, supernatural beings do that, right? Yeah. Somebody who is superhuman. Um, Judas wasn't sure what they'd be in for. And so he told them to get their men ready. And there was anywhere from, there was like this special band of, of soldiers um, first of all, there were temple guards, but there was also a band inside of Jerusalem that was specifically trained and taught. Um, there would have been anywhere from, I think, three to 600, if not more, people there on the hillside in the garden that night. Yeah, that's crazy. Cause it is. Up until you said that the other day, if you were looking up whatever the Greek word was that you know describes that, right, right. Um, that I always pegged it at, you know, 20. I know. Maybe even most, 10. That's the amount of people you could always fit on the stage during the Easter pageant. Yeah, that's exactly right. At the yeah, most, that's you right. know, not this huge number of people, but that's that's what it implies. Let me find the exact scripture because it, it is very fascinating. But on top of that, they didn't just come by themselves. They brought the gear. They brought lanterns and torches. Lanterns burned out quickly, but they were very bright, like almost like a floodlight bright. And torches were something that were oil-based, and that would have been something you would have taken on a search party. So this was like mm. they were prepared with the amount of people that were there and the, their, quote, equipment for the day, their flashlights of the day, to do some hunting if anybody went into hiding. Man. 
And so that's kind of strange anyway. And then Judas, when he approaches Jesus to tell people in the middle of the garden, this is the one that you're looking for, he kisses him, which is something that the the words that they used in scripture to relate the kind of kiss, this was something that would have been not informal. This would have been, this would have been something you did with a close relationship, like a brother. Mm. This is somebody that you thought well of. This was like blood to you. And that is how he betrayed him. I'm I'm curious about the, which that's, you know, gut-wrenching. Uh, I'm curious about the, I know that, you know, there wasn't social media. Not everybody would know exactly what he looks like. But in terms of the people that had been burned by Jesus many a times and embarrassed publicly, and these are the ones that are, um, you know, arresting him. Yeah. I don't understand why they didn't know what he looked like. It, Judas, Judas described that as you'll know who he is, the one that I kiss. And so was I, I don't even understand because if it was dark, then Judas would have had trouble seeing as well as those guys. Right. So why would these guys have, they have torches? So how do they I don't understand why they, they didn't know what he looked like. And I, I hate to suggest this, but I mean, it would lead to suggest that it was just that personal for him. The offense was that deep. You're now say that again uh, for for Judas. It was for Judas. And yeah. he wanted to do that? Uh, I just, I mean, I I don't know. I yeah. Did did he want to give him a kiss because he's like, I just want you to know that I still love you? Did he want to give him a kiss because like, we were supposed to be like this, but you did me wrong. And so let's see how you like it. Mm. Mm. I I don't know. Yeah. That's, it's, there's a why, lot. Why it's do unanswered. we do the things that we do? You know, I, I, you hear about betrayal uh, in the midst of, I remember this precious woman, my dear sweet friend, when she told me about her husband's betrayal and he committed adultery. And um, when it was discovered, there was just, it's like the, what we were talking about earlier, the deception in his own heart. He had himself fooled. Like he knows he was the one who did wrong. He went outside of their marriage vows and did this against their family. And yet he was still so bitter and frustrated and filled with the sin of it all that he treated her like garbage still mm. after he came clean with her. And she would even try to attempt in reaching out to him in forgiveness. And he, it would, it would, I give you the image of like reaching out with your hand and somebody batting that hand away. Mm. That was kind of what she was getting. And it was frustrating to her and it made her angry. Until the Lord gave her this incredible vision of seeing her husband the way that God sees him, which was a little child. That's finally when she saw him in that sense, it gave her this this piece of knowing I need to cover this man with grace right now, something he does not deserve because he's not in a place to receive love. And I need to pray for him in this way because that's what sin does. It entangles. It deceives. And so Judas... I, why, if he, if you already step out knowing little by little you're in the wrong, because you got a sense when you start out, I'm wrong, like we talked about. And I know from the get-go this is not right. But then mm-hmm. you start justifying it little by little. It gets deeper. It gets personal. It gets weird. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily make sense. So I guess that's kind of, I don't know. Why would you ask this many men to come to to get Jesus 
uh, because you're scared that he's going to run. So you bring torches, but at the same time, you're going to greet him with a kiss. So you know you're going to get that close to kiss him and he's not going to run. It shows that he just didn't even know what he what he could expect, mm. you know, because he, he wasn't in a good place. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, and so, it, you know, if I ever find myself in that state of confusion, you know, God is not the author of confusion, it says. I need to stop, take a beat, pray. Yeah. Maybe I'm not in a good place. If I'm frustrated about a relationship, if I'm getting indignant about something, you know, it's convicting to think about the story of Judas because, like you said, it does make you want to check yourself. Yeah. And uh, that or if I'm the offender or if I'm the person who is receiving it, like, all right, if I'm in the role of Jesus and somebody has done this thing to me, like my friend whose husband was unfaithful to her, why are they not receiving my grace? Why are they not receiving my love? God may have placed her in that position. Now their marriage has been healed and restored. Oh, wow. yeah. It's an incredible story because she decided to love and shower this man with grace. Um, that is what healed the, their story. And yeah, I, I think Judas would have found healing through Jesus, but he took his life before he had the chance to ask for forgiveness, you know? You uh, mentioned Peter. You mentioned, uh, well, we didn't mention yet, but the everybody ran. Everybody ran that night. Um, yeah. And that's where I've, you know, tried to identify myself because I know I wouldn't do better, but they, the, the other 11 came back. And so um, we, I know we skipped ahead a little bit. Yes, because, we did. It's supposed to be Thursday. You know, before all that, yeah, that'll be <laughs> Thursday. But we, Judas kind of led us there. Um, but I, I did want to say, when you mentioned high priest, that's in the book of Hebrews, and Jesus can sympathize with us if you've ever gone through a betrayal. And I love that. Um, that's that's one of my favorites uh, from the from the whole Bible, really. But it's in mm-hmm. it's in I think what is it Hebrews one chapter, you know, verse thirty. It's it, whichever book it is. It's like one of the last verses. Um, and I think of like if you worked at a fast food restaurant, and uh, I don't know, you're cleaning toilets at the at the Burger King. You know, you're not having it your way and you want to work your way up and you're, you're, you're trying hard and your manager is the franchise owner's son who's never done any of this. You know, he's your boss and he's never cleaned a toilet and he's never taken an order. The, the, the guy that owns uh, the, the BK just sent his son in there right. to just run the show and tell you what to do. And he's never done anything that you've done. Hmm. You're not going to have as much respect for him because he didn't start where you started. But he didn't have to. You can recognize that. I mean, he's the owner's son. I know he didn't have to. It just would have been nice. And yet, if you have an owner's son that is where you are, started where you are, he he's the manager of the franchise, but he started by cleaning the toilets. He started by taking the drive through orders. And I just, I look at Jesus as he didn't have to come to this earth, but mm-hmm. to save us, he did. Yeah. And he chose to, and he chose to get in the, the muck of it to clean the toilets with us, to go through the betrayal with us. And now we just have that, that high priest as it's described, but it's also described in other chapters as a friend, yeah. as, as a friend in God, a friend in Jesus that He's gone through with, he knows everything that you're going through because he actually came to this earth and experienced it. I just think that's so cool. That's almost verbatim what I wrote in my, I, I've been trying to keep a journal lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did look it up for us. It's in Hebrews 4, 
So if you're wondering, what verse is that again? Uh-huh. It's Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 where he talks about uh, we have a high priest that is able to sympathize with us on every level. Um, God is faithful. He will never betray you. But he can relate to the pain of betrayal. Mm-hmm. And that he would hum- humble himself to that position is mind-blowing. These are the reasons, I think, why people find it difficult to believe what it is that we believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Because how could such a being do that for something as minor as us mortals? You know, how could that even be a thing? Mm. But if you find it in yourself somewhere in the depths of your side, I mean, we watch all these superhero movies and it's like, well, Thanos is like, why do you care about half of the populace, you know, here on this planet if it means the survival of your planet and all this stuff? And you find that Captain America is there to save the day. Yeah. Those kinds of morals and ethics come from a place somewhere within man where it's not something that has evolved. It is something that was specifically designed in each of us from the get go by a creator who made a God shaped hole inside of you and me for him alone to fill. He has designed us with some sort of morality gauge so we know when we're doing right from wrong. What he wants to do is fill in that God-shaped hole and help explain what right perfectly looks like. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So on some scale, we all know what love looks like, but we only know what perfect love looks like because Jesus introduces it to us through what he does on the cross. It's only perfect love that could literally get down on his hands and feet and wash the nasty calloused feet of a betrayer hours before that person sells him out. Mm. That's perfect love. It's selfless. It It, does not boast, you know? It goes along with, because the verse that I was thinking of, that's great that you found that in Hebrews 4, the the verse that I was thinking of was more of the temptation that 2.18 says, he suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. And mm-hmm. often I think about when the, the devil had him out in the desert and the temptations and all that, and he was tested, says in every way, it just it gives us the three. But hey, what you're describing right there, um, he endured every test and temptation. The temptation to slap Judas in the face. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, my goodness, he's just, he's in the muck of it with us. Can you imagine? And even, even if you quote, take the high road, there's that temptation to be like, Serving the bread and the wine and washing the feet, but doing it with this feeling in the back of your head, well, I'm going to show you. Mm. I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to do this for you, and I'm uh-huh. going to let you take communion here, but I know what you're going to do. Right. That wasn't even in his heart. Yeah, It was, I desire for there still to be redemption for you, Judas. I know what you're about to do. Go and do what you have said that you're going to do. Do it quickly, is what he tells him. Those are Mm. the last words before Judas comes and betrays him. But there is still, there's still that seat at the table for Judas. And I think that just, it tells you the heart of of Christ and and how we are to be for others. Not that there's this little, I don't know, this, this undertone of, well, You'll get yours someday, Mm -hmm. and I'm still going to do the right thing. Because God sees your heart, and he knows what's in your heart when you do things. Yeah. And so it really is a challenge. It's like, Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can fix that nasty in me. So whether you're the one who has been on the side of betraying or been betrayed, 
there is a role there for us to find through Jesus, through his grace, and how we can truly connect with the heart of who he is in the midst of that kind of a scenario. Because um, from the outside looking in, you can look like you're doing everything right, but it it ain't. Yeah, no, that's very true. It is about the heart. Um, that's that's great stuff. We've we've had uh, quite an in depth discussion about Judas. There is more to come. Rochelle is not a a person of spoiler, and so she doesn't like it when I say it, it's going to end happily ever after. What? Yeah, I know, I know. Even though ever, I think I think most people know what's about to happen, but we're going to walk through it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We ask that you join us here the next couple of days. It is going to be fun at the same time, super somber. The next you couple know? of days will, but it's going to, it's going to. But it ends so good. Oh, so good. So good. 